Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Hey friends, I'm Alicia. Thanks so much for joining us today for the continuing trashy adventures of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We are going to jump right into the story in a hot second. After wishing and hoping, you come to our live virtual Valentine's Day decompression session. It's going to be held right here from Trashy Divorces headquarters. February 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It'll be available for replay as well afterwards. Yeah, we're making plans, stacking up on all the fun right now. You can grab your ticket right now on sale at moment.co slash trashy divorces. We really hope to see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Alicia, you introduced us to uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. on Sunday. I did. Sunday's episode revealed Bobby Jr.'s backstory. Today, it is the marital misadventures Mm -hmm. of Bobby Jr.'s story. Uncle Teddy's campaign does end, blessedly, and we're going to bring Bobby Jr. off the campaign trail and back into the loving arms of Emily, our nice, wholesome Midwestern girl. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., three marriages total, with one divorce and one separation. (laughs) Hoo-hoo. Let's go, go, go. So we're back. Backstory handled. Mm -hmm. Let's get Bobby hitched or something. Bobby does return back to law school after Ted Kennedy's failed campaign. This is 1980. Yeah, presidential campaign. Bobby Jr. will rekindle his relationship with Emily. Oh, Emily. And Emily happily takes Bobby Jr. back and they soon decide they want to build a life together. Oh, young love. It is in August of 1980 that Bobby proposes to Emily, and the whole town of Bloomington was in a flurry about their hometown girl who was going to marry into American royalty. Yikes. I mean, we all make mistakes. Emily, not a bridezilla. She's really easygoing. There is not a lot. There's none. Not even not a lot. Just no pre-wedding drama from her. She's nice. She's wholesome. She's lovely. Easygoing peaceful kind of feeling. However, as more and more members of the Kennedy clan arrive in Bloomington for the marital events, pandemonium follows. There was drama, but not caused by Emily. (laughs) It happens when Emily's brother reveals why the couple is getting married in Bloomington in a relatively simple ceremony. And although the Kennedy family wanted a fancy and expensive wedding originally planned to take place at St. Patrick's Cathedral on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Those plans did not happen because Emily's mother couldn't afford them. Hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. she doesn't have Kennedy money. And the mom was like, well, I'm going to put on the wedding for the daughter that I'm able to. Sure. Wasn't Bobby supposed to marry Rich? Sure. He does not. He does not. He does not. So when Ethel Kennedy, Bobby Jr.'s mom, Mm -hmm. gets word of Tom Black's admission, this is Emily's brother, Ethel was furious. She feels that it was humiliating, simply just devastating for the public to know, and it made her look bad for not stepping up and paying for the wedding herself that she wanted for Bobby. 
Emily's brother Tom was told in very plain terms to, quote, keep his mouth shut, unquote, and that he was not to speak to any other reporters about anything ever regarding the wedding. Wow. Okay. Whatever. Poor Emily's brother Tom was told he was so scared. It scared him so much that even in 2013, 10 years ago, this is decades after the wedding, decades after the divorce even, Tom Black still refuses to talk about the situation. Wow. Nope. Won't do it. I mean, you know, there's there's a fear of God and then there's the fear of the Kennedys. <laughs> the wrath of the Kennedys mm-hmm. was clearly that intimidating to him that when Oppenheimer, remember who wrote the book on RFK Jr., reached out to him in 2013 to interview him. He was like, no. <laughs> Emily's brother says, they were mad at me and told me not to say anything anymore, so I can't talk to you. And then he promptly hung up the phone. Whoa. Wow. But that's not the only drama. Come on. That would have been easy. Just, you know, intimidating the brother. Nah, it's a Kennedy wedding. The worst of the drinking and drugging and rowdy behavior actually happened at the rehearsal dinner. Unfortunately, it was also a chance for Ethel Kennedy to behave in a pretty typical Ethel Kennedy fashion, meaning very extravagant, very entitled, and very much expecting to be treated like a queen. Mm -hmm. Now, Ethel's secretary had been assigned with planning the rehearsal meal and will choose in her planning Bloomington's nicest restaurant, which naturally is thrilled to be hosting the event. Oh, no doubt. The Kennedys? Rehearsal dinner? This is amazing. Alcohol flows. Mm -hmm. The Kennedys get very drunk. At one point, some of the Kennedys took the swords off of the walls Uh, and start dueling. Sure, like you do. The total alcohol count for the evening. Bottles of champagne, 36. Bottles of wine, 64. Cocktails, 180. Beers, 62. Wow. That is the total consumption of the... Rehearsal dinner that night for those attending the dueling feast. So libations were had, is what you're saying. The food was decadent and plentiful, all chosen by Ethel. So we got great food. We got sword fights. We got cocktails. It sounds like medieval times, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Horsies. You need horsies. Well, no, I was going to bring up fiefdom here because the restaurant's owner, right, is triumphant at the end of the evening. He has wined and dined at the Kennedys. His restaurant tomorrow morning is going to be headline news. But not for the reason he thinks it's going to be, because the bill in itself is about 9000 bucks. That's 1980 money. Sure. So you're looking at about $32,000 today. Okay. And the owner of the restaurant goes to settle up with Ethel's secretary. And the restaurant owner was told that they just pay him the next morning. And everybody's kind of drunk, and he's like, okay. This is like a Mike Todd move. (laughs) Exactly. Mike Todd always I'll come back tomorrow. I'm going to come back in the morning. It's no no bigs. Ethel Kennedy ran out on the bill, huh? Dot, dot, dot. The next morning, the restaurant owner was given yet another reason why they could not pay, but was again promised that they would deal with it soon, which, you know, probably that next day is the wedding. However, Ethel Kennedy 
had a reputation for not paying her bills. But the restaurant owner does not know this or learn this until it is too late. Any and all attempts to reach Ethel Kennedy or her secretary went unanswered. That guy now leads the Bloomington Republican Club. <laughs> Finally, restaurant owner will send a registered letter to Ethel Kennedy explaining that they are a small business mm-hmm. and really needed cash flow to pay their suppliers. Yeah, $9,000 is a, that's, that's real money. Still no response. The restaurant owner then threatens to call the Johnny Carson show. Oh. And reveal what cheapskates the Kennedys were. He was told then that, quote, it should have been a privilege to serve the Kennedys and you should not be charging for the dinner at all, unquote. Are you kidding me? I I am angry on his behalf. Eventually, a lawsuit was filed and Ethel Kennedy then claimed that she had just misplaced that bill. I put it down somewhere and I just forgot where I put it. So sorry about that. The bill was finally paid almost six months after the wedding But at this point, the restaurant went out of business after filing for bankruptcy. Oh my gosh, that... (sighs) Wow. The reverend who performed the ceremony, Reverend Ewing, said that he was really pleasantly surprised about how easygoing Bobby and all of his groomsmen were at the wedding. The officiant Mm -hmm. soon realizes that Bobby and all of his groomsmen are... Really, really happy because, quote, they were all high on cocaine and booze, unquote. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. He said he learned this because, quote, I started to find evidence of their drug and alcohol use, and some of them just told me, unquote. (laughs) You know you've done too many somethings if you're telling people the somethings that you've done. Let's go wreck Bloomington. (laughs) So that's the marriage. Rehearsal dinner, marriage. Yeah. And with that auspicious of a start, it doesn't take long before the marriage experiences some major hurdles. A little over a year after the wedding, Bobby nearly overdosed on heroin while in an airplane bathroom. Yikes. He was found by a passenger who helped him. When the plane landed, there was an ambulance and two police cars waiting on the tarmac. He tries to hide his identity by telling the police officers that his name was Bobby Francis. I mean... Maybe you won't know who I am. Please allow me not to introduce myself. But after further questioning, his real identity Mm -hmm. was revealed. Mm -hmm. Bobby Jr. was charged with heroin possession, but got out of any real trouble by checking himself in, naturally, to a very expensive rehabilitation facility. Once he was released from rehab... Bobby Jr. was put on two years of court-ordered probation. Emily stands by her man. She loves him. Just adoration and love. And it is in September 1984 that their first child was born, a son named after his father and grandfather. Unfortunately, continued drug misuse and impending problems for that, in addition to womanizing, still persisted and Eventually, friends were just calling Emily a saint for putting up with his antics. Yeah, that's that's what you want your friends to think of you. You're just a saint to put up with. In April 1988, <sighs> their second child was born. This is a daughter that they name after Bobby Jr.'s aunt, Kathleen Kennedy Kick. 
BFFs with Glenn Close's daughter. Mm -hmm. It all comes back together. It is after David Kennedy died from a drug overdose in Palm Beach during the Easter holidays in 1984 that Bobby Jr. really does begin making a concerted effort to live a life free of drug abuse. The young family buys a home in Mount Kisco, New York, about 40 miles north of New York City. Bobby Jr. had been ordered to do community service from his previous offenses and at this time really throws himself into environmental activism. He will focus his efforts primarily on the Hudson River restoration and preservation, which took an increasing amount of his time and energy. It would be his passion for years to come, with the Hudson Riverkeepers group becoming his most prominent form of advocacy and Mm -hmm. activism until about 2017. However, the name of the podcast is Trashy Divorces, so... It's only fair to let you know that the marriage was clearly troubled and coming to an end. But one of the last blows was when Bobby nearly crippled a woman in May of 1992 while driving Emily's minivan. In a lawsuit filed after the victim's lawyer claimed that she suffered, quote, serious and severe injuries, unquote, to her foot, including the painful severing of a nerve caused by Bobby's, quote, carelessness and recklessness and negligence, unquote. Bobby will fight the lawsuit and refuses to settle. It gets very contentious, and eventually a trial date was set with Court TV. The cable network was planning on covering the case, gavel to gavel live. Wow. (laughs) But you can imagine, naturally, that the Kennedy machine will step in and would not let this Mm -hmm. case go to trial, And just lo and behold, a last-minute settlement was reached. I just misplaced that settlement bill. Apparently, Kennedys don't like getting sued. This is a fantastic time. We are going to take a quick break here from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll find out what happens with Emily and venture into marriage number two. Sure. See you on the flip. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. We've all seen the headlines in the news of how someone lost their life in an act of cold-blooded murder. And while it's sad and grabs your attention, most people go on with their day without giving it another thought. But have you ever stopped to think about the life of the person at the center of the news story? They were more than just a headline or a statistic. They were someone's loved one or friend. I'm Mike Morford, and my podcast, The Murder of My Family, dives into some of those stories to help listeners get to know the person who was lost and how their death affected those closest to them. Listen to The Murder of My Family everywhere you listen to podcasts. There are well over 100 episodes to binge on now. All right, Alicia, so we got Bobby Kennedy getting in car wrecks, hurting people. Yeah, but he's going to hurt Emily worse. Mm. Mm, Okay, so we haven't really ended Emily's first marriage yet, but let me go ahead and introduce to you Mary Richardson. Mary Richardson was a friend of Bobby's sister Carrie back in boarding school days, and their friendship would last past those young days filled with filled hockey and tartan plaid and stuff. and. Carrie and Mary, naturally, the girls become roommates when they attend Brown University together. Because of this, Bobby had known Mary since she was a teenager, 
And Bobby will run into Mary in 1993 at an art gallery. And when that happens, sparks fly. Yes, the answer to your question is Bobby is still married mm-hmm. to Emily at this time. Yeah, I had, I had put that together. But the relationship was essentially over after many years of drug abuse, infidelities, different personalities. Yeah. Bobby proposes to Mary in Ireland in the summer of 1993, having told Mary and others that he was in fact already divorced. Ooh. This guy is not... Great. Okay. Mary happily accepts his proposal and the two start to plan their future together. Slight problem. Tiny hiccup. Well, like nine months later, in March of 1994, it's when Bobby Kennedy Jr. travels to the Dominican Republic to actually obtain a quickie divorce so he could marry his new love, Mary Richardson, who already happened to be six months pregnant. There was a reason I split this story up into two parts. Like, it's really entirely too trashy, all of it together. Mm -hmm. So let me just prepare you now. There's some rough things coming. Just get ready. But here we're still in the happy part with Mary. The two will get married on the Riverkeeper's research vessel called the Shannon. The date of the marriage is April 15th, 1994. And Mary's thrilled to finally be an official member of the Kennedy family having been a groupie since she was a teenager, just, you know, being BFFs with Carrie. And Mary, y'all, is intelligent. She's accomplished. She's beautiful. And through her work in interior design and architecture, she's also very connected in creative circles. She works with Andy Warhol for a time. Phenomenal woman. In July of 1994, three months after their wedding, Mary does give birth to a son named Connor. And this kid goes on to date Taylor Swift for a minute at one point? Hot minute during the Red Album, yes. But it is just a year later in August of 1995 that Mary gives birth to a daughter. November 1997, another son comes along, their last child, one more son, born July of 2001. And on the surface, Mary appears to be the perfect Kennedy wife. And Bobby Jr. at this time is holding himself up to be the perfect family man. In 2007, he was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey for O Magazine, where he was described as, quote, clearly a family man, unquote, and said that his home was a priority in his life. However, behind the scenes, things were not so rosy. In addition to being interviewed by Oprah in 2007, Bobby also called the police twice that year, claiming his wife was suicidal. When those calls were leaked to the press, Mary was humiliated. A friend of Mary's claims that what actually happened on those two occasions was that Mary had found out about Bobby's affairs and had become furious. Admittedly, during the end of the decade of the 90s, Bobby Jr. was embroiled in a number of family scandals. We're going to talk about a few of these on Spider Eggs today. The quick brief highlights here. In 1997, it's revealed that Bobby's brother Michael Kennedy was having an affair with his children's 14-year-old babysitter. The following year in 1998, his cousin Michael Skakel was implicated in the Martha Moxley murder which ties into Dominic Dunn and all of the stories we've talked about, the public disdain between Dominic Dunn and RFK. Rounding out the 90s, 
John F. Kennedy Jr. will die in July of 1999 on his way to Rory Kennedy's wedding. Admittedly, a lot of stuff happening in the late 90s. We're going to follow up on a number of those in Spider Eggs. Patreon folks, stay tuned for that. But we're here for the marital misadventure. So the marriage with Mary and Bobby Jr. continues on. Again, they even had their last child in 2001. The couple's doing a great job keeping up appearances, but internally the turmoil is escalating. It's getting worse. Bobby Kennedy Jr. was arrested in 2001 and sentenced to 30 days in prison on civil disobedience charges for his behavior during a demonstration. He was in prison when their fourth child was born. Wow. While in prison, (laughs) Bobby decides to keep a diary, which would later somehow be leaked to the press. Oh, weird. He writes, I'm so content here. I have to say it. There's no women. I'm happy. It's not misogyny. It's the opposite. Exclamation point. He will continue to write on about his lust demons. And in this diary will helpfully make a log of all the women he had had sex with. And this gets leaked? Yeah. Whoa. The diary was coded with the number 10 representing full intercourse and other numbers to represent other Mm -hmm. levels of sexual contact. Sure. He continued the diary after he was released from prison, though, because writing was so much fun. I mean, I recommend keeping a daily journal, friends, but maybe don't let it get leaked. He will write. He just likes to write and write and write. He'll write about having sex with other women as being mugged. And yeah, that's how he quote unquote mugged and described how women seduced him. Hmm. One entry from 2001 said that he had, quote, narrowly escaped being mugged, unquote, by two women who wanted to, quote unquote, double team him. He wrote that he was tempted, but. Prayed for the strength to say no. No to this. (laughs) In the spring of 2001, after Bobby had hosted a dinner for Leonardo DiCaprio, Bobby wrote that on his drive home from Manhattan, he had gotten mugged, which he rationalized as not his fault because he had been unfairly seduced. (laughs) Unfairly seduced, I say. Unfairly seduced. Yeah, I hate it when that happens. Hmm. I just accidentally got unfairly seduced and committed adultery. This behavior continues when one of Bobby's friends was asked about his womanizing and how it affected his marriage. He said, Mary understood Bobby's strengths and weaknesses. Nothing he did should ever surprise her. He had even womanized with her when he was still married to Emily, so she knew what he was like. A close friend of Mary's claims that in 2010, quote, Bobby had had some big epiphany and started divulging a lot of personal stuff that she'd never known and a lot of affairs that had happened, unquote. Probably the most problematic, Mary is reportedly very shocked to learn that her husband, Bobby, is having an affair with actress Cheryl Hines. Hmm who she claimed she introduced to Bobby at a charity event. Well, to make matters worse, Cheryl Hines was already boasting about her relationship with Bobby online. Yikes. She felt very betrayed when she learned that Mary's friend, Glenn Close, 
had also befriended Cheryl Hines. Cheryl even bragged on Twitter that she had become pals with Bobby's son, who was 11 years old at the time. That's, mm, I am angry on Mary's behalf. (laughs) You're going to get angrier. Okay. By the spring of 2010, Bobby decided he does want to officially end his marriage with Mary and go public with Cheryl Hines and decided that the most perfect time, just the best time of the year to start divorce proceedings, the same week as Mother's Day. Once this happened, women who apparently felt sorry for Mary came to her confessing that they had had affairs with Bobby too. Oh, no. Poor Mary. That Some of these women claimed to have had long-term affairs with him and knew of, quote, multiple affairs he had had with people in AA, unquote, Alcoholics Anonymous. During May of 2012, Bobby calls the police a few times, claiming that Mary was intoxicated. Mary claims that Bobby's doing this just to start a paper trail to establish a case against her to get custody of the kids. Mary is then arrested for DWI, driving while under the influence on May 15, 2010. Her blood alcohol level was 0.11, slightly over the 0.08 legal limit. Interestingly, she was arrested in a church parking lot where she went to pick up her children from a carnival. The police officer said he pulled her over when he saw her drive over a curb in the parking lot. The arrest naturally makes headlines, and Mary is forced to attend AA meetings. Her driver's license was suspended. Mary tells her friends and her AA sponsor that she felt she was being quote-unquote gaslighted, and that Bobby kept telling her she had a drinking problem and a borderline personality. She said that Bobby was quote, trying to make her feel like she was crazy, unquote. The divorce does continue in a most unpleasant way, but many people around Mary believed that by early 2012, she was pulling herself out of her depression and her shock over her marriage ending was getting a little bit better. Mary does feel, though, very pressured to sign a divorce agreement that was not at all favorable to her. Even her longtime friend, Bobby's sister Carrie, was trying to convince Mary to do that saying to Mary, there's not an endless pool of money. You're making everybody broke. Well, maybe you need to look to your brother and his behavior, Uh but alas. Yeah. Also, he's a prominent lawyer. It's, I mean, I, yes, there's not an endless pool of money, but you know. This scene was witnessed by another of Mary's friends who tell Oppenheimer that she was quote-unquote terrified at the pressure Carrie was putting on Mary and felt that she should have reported it to someone. On the morning of May 16, 2012, Mary's housekeeper could not find Mary. After searching with her husband for a while, they called Bobby to help. Tragically, Mary was found hanging in an old garage on her property. She was wearing her workout clothes as if she were planning on going to her normal yoga class that morning. 911 was called to the scene and Mary was pronounced dead. Bobby was overheard on his cell phone telling someone, quote, 
Call her fucking family and tell them to get up here and help me with the kids, unquote. Oh, God. Mary Richardson's funeral was held on May 19th, 2012. It was covered by national news sources. Her friend Glenn Close was in attendance, as were other celebrities like Larry David, Chevy Chase, Susan Sarandon, and Edward James Olmos. Cheryl Hines did not attend. It is six months later that Cheryl Hines and Bobby Kennedy took Mary and Bobby's daughter to Paris for her formal debut at the Balde Debutantes in 2013. Got it. Got a dub. Got to introduce the child to the world. It's terribly heartbreaking. Rich people are different. It, it's that, that's a terrible story. Mama always said that rich people are different. And we're poor people and we need to pay our bills, so we're going to take a quick break right now. Get in another word from our awesome sponsors this week. Coming back to conclude the marital misadventures of Bobby Jr. Back in a minute. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. So it is on August the 2nd, 2014, that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. marries for the third time. The bride was his longtime girlfriend, actress mm-hmm. Cheryl Hines. Mm-hmm best known for her role on Curb Your Enthusiasm. The couple marries at the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport. Originally, the couple wanted to elope with, you know, just their kids. Cheryl has a child from a previous marriage and Bobby has six. But then they decided they should include their mothers. And Cheryl Hines says, then more and more relatives kept coming. The next thing we knew, it was a wedding. In addition to the many family members, other guests at the wedding included Larry David, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Kevin Nealon, and Ed Bagley Jr. There are two versions of how the couple meet. The first version tells that Mary Richardson Kennedy introduced them. That one was mentioned earlier. The other version of the story, the version that the couple tells themselves, is that they were introduced by Cheryl Hines' Curb Your Enthusiasm co-star Larry David. Cheryl and Bobby come from two very different worlds and actually don't have that much in common. Cheryl admits that she found it quote-unquote intimidating when she was first dating Bobby and starting to meet his family. Despite her nerves, though, she described them as quote, much more welcoming and more personable than you could imagine, unquote. So you may ask, was it a good idea to marry Bobby Kennedy? Was it a good idea? To marry Bobby Kennedy? There are at least a few people close to the groom who are willing to say no. <laughs> New York Daily News reported that, quote, a longtime friend of the Kennedys, unquote, told them, quote, any woman who gets involved with Bobby does so with her eyes open or their brains lopped off. Any woman thinks they're going to change Bobby is misguided and purposefully ignorant. Women have to understand what they're getting into when they're with him. You can hate it. You can make excuses for it. You can do whatever you want to do. It doesn't change the fact that he has a long history of doing certain things. And if you think, wow, I'll be different, then you're fucked. 
unquote. Sorry, let me end that quote appropriately. Mm -hmm. For the most part, the Kennedy-Hines marriage has appeared to be going strong. Bobby Jr. still gets involved in controversial issues, but Cheryl Hines seems to steer clear of them. However, it is in January of 2022 that old Bobby Jr. finds himself in some hot water over comments he made that even Cheryl Hines could not defend and publicly denounces his comments as reprehensible and insensitive. A longtime anti-vaccine advocate, RFK Jr., speaks at an anti-vaccination mandate rally in Washington where he compared the vaccination policies to oppressive and totalitarian regimes. His most controversial comment was, quote, Even in Hitler's Germany, you could cross the Alps into Switzerland. You could hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. I visited in 1962 East Germany with my father and met many people who climbed the wall and escaped, so it was possible. Many died, true, but it was possible. Unquote. What, what is... Ah... Uh... As you can imagine, very quickly, Kennedy received strong criticism from a variety of sources, including his own family. His sister, Carrie Kennedy Cuomo, tweeted, quote, Bobby's lies and fear-mongering yesterday were both sickening and destructive. I strongly condemn him for his hateful rhetoric, unquote. She'll also add that his views do not represent the views of the family. After Cheryl Hines was urged by her Twitter followers to comment on her husband's remarks, she tweeted, My husband's opinions are not a reflection of my own. While we love each other, we differ on many current issues. I guess I'm surprised at his anti-vax stance, given that he was apparently injecting things into his body for years of his life. It's an odd... It's an odd flex. It is an odd flex. When what Cheryl Hines wrote was apparently not strong enough for the critics, the next day, she will have another tweet. My husband's reference to Anne Frank at a mandate rally in D.C. was reprehensible and insensitive. The atrocities that millions enduring during the Holocaust should never be compared to anyone or anything. His opinions are not a reflection of my own. RFK Jr. attempted to undo some of the damage his remarks caused that same day by tweeting, I apologize for my reference to Anne Frank, especially to families that suffered the Holocaust horrors. My intention was to use examples of past barbarism to show the perils from new technologies of control. To the extent my remarks caused hurt, I am truly and deeply sorry. As of today, January 2023, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Cheryl Hines are still married, and I guess super good for them, even though it doesn't seem like they agree on much. So that, my darling trash pandas and Stacy, is the two-part Robert F. Kennedy trashy divorces spectacular. I would say thank you, but I think at this point I just, I need a shower after that. I don't know how many trash cans are involved. I think they're all filled with like sparrow hawks for your falconry project. Sure. Sure. Maybe some bad decisions, maybe some unpaid bills. Yeah. Who knows, really? Yeah, just wreckage in the wake of the Kennedys. It's, it's something. 
I'm glad we are putting this one in our rear view mirror. We're going to be back this weekend with a brand new tale of marital misadventure. You're going to bring us, Stacy. I know you're working hard on uh-huh. that one. Yep. Yep. Timely. Timely. A little music world. A little maybe less trashy than what we've just done. That's the dream. Yeah. If you want a little more dish in the meantime, you can join us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. And Patreon folks, stay tuned for Spider Eggs, the bonus segment at the end of this episode. Because y'all, what I got for you today, (laughs) these goodies are just too, too dirty for the main feed. I've got one more thing I have to share for all of my trash pandas. If you were into the whole Palm Beach High Society set, now is definitely the time to check out Done and Done, my little side piece podcast. We are taking a journey this month. Two episodes just dropped in a brand new series, The Palm Beach Chronicles. If you like wealthy people and real estate and scandal and some true crime too, it's going to be a super fun ride on Done and Done this month. Check that out if you're looking for something for your ear holes. One more time, thanks to all y'all for joining us today. Mm -hmm, Always. Until we meet again, friends, we hope that you will keep your hands clean. We hope that you will keep your hearts trashy. Big love, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there. And thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.